0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: What does Motion sound like? With Kizik Hans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of Motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks.
0: Hey, welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. That's Briscoe, I'm Bradshaw, and tonight, we, today, whenever you're listening to this or watching this, we've got an incredible guest, one of the free birds, Jimmy Jam Garvin. Jimmy Garvin. How are you? How you? doing, Jimmy? I'm
2: doing fine. I'm doing fine, John. It's nice to see uh, you and Jerry, and um, thank you for that wonderful introduction.
0: Hall of Famer, uh, the incredible Hall of Fame speech. I thought we we're gonna have to send you some oxygen up there. I don't think you've danced quite that long uh, in quite a while.
2: Yeah, no, not not, not well. No, it's been quite a while. You're right. You're right,
1: uh, John. I l- thought I was gonna have to go up there and give John uh, uh, Jimmy uh, uh, chest compression the way he was dancing <laughs> up there, and I saw I saw that color of his skin turn blood red, and I said. Man, he can't go along much longer, but as long as that other free bird, PS, was dancing, Jimmy wasn't gonna stop. But you know, Jimmy, Jimmy's career goes so far back, uh uh with me, you know, back in back in the uh, Jimmy what, late seventies, early eighties, somewhere like that. And yeah, yeah. Tell me yeah. tell me the, the situation. Was was uh, was Joe Scarpa living in your mom's garage apartment or how out did that all transpire?
2: Well, um, Thank you, thank you, John, for having me. If I didn't thank you yet, and, and thank you, Jerry, for being here. It's nice to see both of you. Uh, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. And also, since I'm talking about meat and stuff from the bottom of my heart, it's really nice to still be alive because uh, I shouldn't be. But that is uh, that is another story. Uh, I, went, I wrestled at the Sportatorium the first time in 1961, Jerry and John. How old were you then? Nine years old. Wow. Coach John Heath was the coach, and it was the uh, the youth program that Eddie Graham had started. Uh, of course, Gordon Soley was there. Gordon Soley interviewed me, I think, when I was ten, so that had been 1962, because we because we had tournaments all over Florida and stuff. Uh, Mike Graham. Well,
1: hey, on, Just give me a little roster of 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 the guys, because the, the it was a who's who nowadays of professional wrestling. That was in that youth program with Coach John Heath and, and Don Curtis, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know when it first started, of course, Mike and I, Mike Graham, myself, uh, was the first ones there that later ca- that carried on, and then of course uh, Bob Orton Jr. was uh, in in that program as well, and um, uh, I can't think of the I can't think of the guy's name right now. But there was about three or four back going back that far, you know, nineteen sixty-one. I mean, and, and, you know, and then Junior was Junior was in there shortly shortly after that. Not you know not that far, but you know, uh, Orton Junior, myself, and Mike, uh, and, and 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 you know we had and the coach Coach John Heath. We had him, but we also had uh, you know Don Curtis would step in there sometime, and Coach Joe Scarpa, Carl Gotch uh would do it and um it was it was a quite a program do you, you asked me about uh joe scarpa and my dad's apartment house in tampa uh, uh you know joe scarpa lived in, in one of the apartments it was a main house and then there was an apartment to the side there was ivy of, street ivy well, yeah the ivy street castle right we used to call it that and, uh, and it, it, was, it was to us, and it was, uh, it's not there anymore, unfortunately, but uh, a lot of history, uh, and started with Joe Scarpa uh, living there, and that would have been, you know, 19, 19, that had been 1961, when uh, him and his wife moved in there, and I, and I was playing out in the field next door, and he says, hey, kid, he says, you want to come down and see some wrestling, that's how it started. And I said, sure. He took me down there and one thing led to another. And I got involved in the camp. Uh, but, uh, you know, after that, uh, the great Malenko lived there for a while back in the day. Um, uh, as, as, as time went on, you know, D- John Studd lived there. Bruiser <laughs> lived there. Angelo Mosca lived there. Jake the Snake lived there. uh, 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 uh Michael Hayes and them almost burn it down. The Freebirds lived there.
1: Go uh, figure.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wicked, yeah, yeah. they just about, about almost burn it down. But there was a lot of history there at, at that place. And, and we had a good time. You know, Steve Kern had, had been to the Ivy Street ca- Castle many times. In fact, there's a good story. If you remind me later, I'll tell you about that, Steve and, and that story. But that's kind of the, you know, the Sportatorium was – Holy smokes! You know, I, I still have some pictures of you know Scarpa and I walking up that alleyway, you know, and um, yeah. and coming in there to train, and 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 Charlie lay behind the desk, and uh, yeah, yeah, all the time, and hand you that, <laughs> hand you that. What dinner. time you yeah.
1: leaving, Jimmy?
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 it, it, and he'd hand you that little envelope with that little bit of money in it, you know, because uh, the they, they paid like they paid that. Like, can can I say they paid like shit? <laughs> yeah okay they paid like shit <laughs> wait a minute i was
1: a partner in that organization
2: <laughs> yeah but this that's before you came along it, it got a lot better after you came along Gerald. thank you Jimmy. you're welcome you're welcome hey. but uh
0: you know a lot of you know this is, this is a lot of history there holy smokes right Jimmy, I don't want to jump ahead, but we got no format. We got no, nothing that we're following directly. But one of the biggest thrills of my life, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, was when the first time I got to be in the ring with the Freebirds, uh, you were the iteration of the Freebirds at the time. It's just I, I, I was trying to pinch myself. In fact, I talked to Stone Cold earlier today, and I told you a story before we went on air. Stone Cold told me, he said, when the first times – he got a big push. Was when he was working with the Freebirds in Atlanta, WCW, and he's going to go over on both of them in some type of handicap match. He's going. I just kind of felt bad. This, this is the Freebirds, and I said, "Did you feel bad enough not to go over?" And He goes, "No, I didn't feel that bad." Yeah, <laughs>
2: uh, heck no. Heck hey, no. I I remember working with him in Columbus, uh, Columbus, Georgia, down there, because um, I think I think I I think I was really tired. We'd been up for a while. Uh, for whatever reason but like a couple
1: decades <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah three birds yeah. have been up for a while come on yeah.
2: yeah I know it's a surprise but you know and I swear I and Michael was in the corner and and he was glad he was just in the corner it was a singles match between me and uh and Steve and Steve was you know just young and starting out and he was rearing to go and I had, I had, I remember I had to pull it up from everything I had to hang with him and it, and it hurt so bad, but I'll never forget, uh, working with him that night. And we had a hell of a match too, cause you know, I mean, obviously he's a hell of a hand, you know, and, and having a match with him, you know, it, 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 not that hard to do uh, at all, but I remember that, uh, God, that was painful. Speaking of painful, um, and, 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 I, and, I, and I might bounce around if you don't mind, cause there you're no there you don't know you know, I was, I, was, I was thinking the other day, I was thinking, you know, and, and, you, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm almost figuring out, you know, sometimes we reflect back on what our, our careers and stuff and what happened and, and, and the stuff. And not, and not so much with, with me nowadays, because I've been with, uh, with, uh, with uh, the uh, greatest uh, private airline company in the world. Uh, it's not an airline, a private private uh, air carrier uh for 20 years you know so but sometimes I think about you know my other great career I've been blessed to have two great careers I guess I could say that you know I, I had a great wrestling career 23 years uh and I and I, I have a great uh aviation career um but I was thinking you know I wrestled um uh well Danny Hodge uh Billy Billy Robinson Lou Thez, uh uh Buddy Rogers, did I say him? No. Um, And a couple – oh, well, I I didn't really wrestle him. I got kind of stretched by him, but that's another story. Uh, (laughs) But it was something to think about the history of being in the ring with people like Danny Hodge, you know. And if you didn't – if somebody that never wrestled Danny Hodge wouldn't know too much what I was talking about. But when Danny Hodge would get you in a position – that you probably wished you weren't in. His eyes used to look like kind of like a shark's does. They kind of roll back up and all you do is just see the black. Oklahoma City one time, he stretched me. My gosh, I I appreciated it, you know? It's a good lesson, you know? But the fact that to be in the ring with people like Luthez, Danny Hodge, uh, Billy Robinson, Buddy Rogers, I don't know who else that's alive today. That's wrestled those guys, you know. It was you know,
1: great, Jimmy. I was telling somebody the other day about Hodge having a match with Hodge. You know, you you get going, you'd really get get flowing. You know, ever you know you're working. Hodge would be just as light as a feather. Then all of a sudden, you like you said, you'd see that gleam or that click in his eyes, and it just it was like, especially with me, it was like being a flashback. You know, him Oklahoma University, me Oklahoma State University. I Hey kid, this ain't your Hall, you know. But I think sometimes he'd have those flashbacks where he thought he was back, uh, back on the amateur mat because the people were so with it. And, you know, come on, Danny, and everything. Oh. I think uh, I, you'd have to, you'd have to just kind of put a push the pause button on him and kind of reset. You know, uh, if you're lucky enough to be able to do that, unfortunately, my. I think my, I don't know.
2: I think my head was at my ass, but I, so I couldn't push no buttons. (laughs) You couldn't
1: hit the balls button.
2: (laughs) I couldn't hit a button if I wanted to, but I tell you uh, another time I was in, I I was in uh, Dallas, Texas at the sportatorium with a young gentleman that I think was just coming along. And uh, John, that was you. And I never (laughs) got such an ass whipping in all my life (laughs) to this day. To this day, tell me about
1: that, Jimmy.
2: <laughs> it's, i let me let me just testify to this. It was ass whipping. It wasn't like it wasn't. It was a he was working. He was working. <laughs> he thought it
1: was working.
2: <laughs> he thought, Yeah, I thought I was going to have to fight. I, well, hell, I knew I couldn't fight for my life.
1: That was over with. I mean, that wasn't even an option. You know. Now, what year was that, Jimmy? That was nineteen eighty four. And, John, is that when you were just coming along in the business or had you already been in the
0: business about 10 years?
1: 83, <laughs> uh, No, It was
0: actually early 90s. So we were uh, – I just – Jimmy had just come back in. I think Crockett or somebody was trying to reopen up uh, in the sporting tournament or something, and I, it really was the biggest thrill of my life. But I was nervous, and I'm just well, – hell, rocking. you didn't – I'm glad you enjoyed it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wobbling these guys. I tell you a funny story. So I got Black Bart in the ring one time. I just I just gotten started. I've been Japan. I've been wrestling in Japan, you know. So it was you know how Japan was back then. So yeah, I was yeah, Almost exclusively in Japan, and that was just man. They they went after young guys, especially young guys who were they thought were a threat. And so I was yeah. used to having that almost combat type atmosphere in every match. I come out of the ring one time, and and a black Bart had hit me as hard as he could across the the forehead with an open fist. And he goes, "That's a receipt, you dumbass!" And so I got out of the ring. I told Akbar. I said, "Akbar, uh, he just told me that was a receipt. What does that mean?" And he goes. He goes, it means he loves it, kid. Keep doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so every time Bart hit me back harder, I thought, he's loving it. So I just kept hitting him harder and harder and harder. Bart comes back, throws his stuff everywhere. goes, I'll never work with that greenhorn idiot again. <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? What year would that have been? Uh, probably around 91, 92. That's when I first, I mean, first started. I've been to Japan. That's the only place I've really wrestled. And it was just you know how stiff it was, and I came back and I'm working with Bart, who's one of one of these you know, light wrestlers. <laughs> for Bart, I don't know,
2: I don't know how I ended up with you in there, but I did somehow. I don't know if I just came back for a sh- show or did something. I you did,
0: remember. you came back for a show with uh, Michael and uh, hmm. I may and maybe Bam Bam even. And maybe the yes. Von Erics were, were back then as well, and uh, right. It was a kind of a resurgence of the sportatorium. I just remember being in the ring and when. When Michael said, because the first time you'd come back, I was in the ring. I don't know who I was in there with, maybe Dick Murdoch or Bobby Duncan or somebody. And Michael said, do you mind giving us the ring? I said, of course not. Man, that place went absolutely ballistic. I mean, people, they, they talk about road warrior pops. You know, we used to always say in the 90s, that Freebird pop in the sport in Dallas, Texas was quite amazing.
2: Yeah, they had a lot of a lot of history there too. You know, a lot of history. That was a lot. That was eighty. That 84 when we when when that was going on. That was quite the times. But you know, it, it, it's it. Yeah, you know, you, you go back to Florida a little bit. You know, we had back in Florida in the seventies. I guess it would be Jerry, the middle seventies, late seventies when we had the leader of the pack
1: going on. Right. Yeah. Well, what, like, least, what kind of crew did we have then? I, I've told John a little bit about this, John. This is a story about that leader of the pack uh, T-shirt that we used to uh, all get drunk and pull over on the side of the road and fight each other for it and everything. Jimmy, take it, take it from there. <laughs> I, I tell you what, you know uh,
2: that leader of the pack story that that I'm gonna try to tell and 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 do justice for it. That that was the most incredible thing. People that would heard heard about Florida you know championship wrestling from florida and stuff like that but the leader of the pack actually became almost more popular than the territory itself as a wrestling territory it was the territory where the leader of the pack group hung out it was a notorious group of individuals that had that could consume an awful lot of beer tons and tons of beer and then and, and, then, and most of them could wrestle pretty good too at times uh it depended on the time of night. But uh, <laughs> I tell you, uh, i got to tell you one story. Uh, well, like Jerry said, here was the deal. Let me let me go back so you understand it and, and, and the people watching can understand it. We, we'd get our beers stocked up and, and we'd have a driver. And then on the way back, we would count how many, but plus let's use Jacksonville to Tampa. That was about a three and a half hour drive. Uh, depending if you was doing a speed limit or not or whatever okay. so we we count like you know okay that's this is six this is eight this is that 12 then, you know everybody was pretty watched everybody because nobody it was like it was like a bunch of pirates nobody trusted nobody in there to count right anyway so we always made sure we counted most of the time kept the empties in a pile so if there was a discrepancy we could count the empties but then it got too full that you couldn't there's no room, empties so is all in the car. So we had to put that, that uh, technique aside. So we developed a new technique that if there was a discrepancy in the count, and usually that would happen when you got to about, usually around 12 or 15 beers, uh, you know, an hour and a half after you left the arena, uh, there might be a discrepancy where that you, you ask for another one and say, okay, that's 15 and the guy'd say, "No, uh-uh, it ain't. That's only that's only fourteen. No, that's fifteen. Okay, let's just that's not argue about it. Pull over wherever that, where this discrepancy was at. We pulled over. I remember pulling over it by ABC liquor store around the back by the dumpster. Had a fight out there with one of them boys, and it was either Gerald or it was uh, a P- Grand Apollo or it was uh, 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 Terry Allen or. Or whoever it was, Barry random <laughs> Barry Windham, you you'd get out, and it, we had rules, not too many, but you you couldn't punch or and hit people in the mouth or nose. It's strictly wrestling, uh like amateur wrestling, drunk amateur wrestling. So it was takedowns and control. So whoever got control, that was the winner, and whoever won, that's the count that counted. So if Jerry and I, for instance, had a discrepancy, it. He he would always win with me anyway, uh, and, and and so his count would would win, and then we'd keep on going. Well, that shirt got bloodied. Uh, it got uh, it got ripped off of people's backs. We took it to a seamstress. Actually, had her put it back together again, blood stains and all. It's to this day. Jerry has a shirt at his house, and Terry Allen has a Magnum TA has one because we needed two. Because it just they, they were just like it was just un- unbelievable uh, uh, fights would happen over this. There was another time where Jerry and I think I think it was uh well it was yeah it was Jerry and I I was off Gun Highway where I lived out there. Jerry, is that where it yeah. was? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Those um, shirts, those shirts, Jimmy Wright became more valuable than the Florida heavyweight championship for the guys.
2: People were coming into the territory to just try to win the shirt. They would come in, and they didn't care about the titles. They didn't care. They wanted to go on a road trip, and for for the for the leader of the pack, and and try to compete and take that shirt. Because if you took the sh- if you won the shirt, you had to defend it every night, and we wrestled every night. So it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter if you had twenty four beers the night before. You had to defend it the next night, no matter what. Um, so this night we come home to my house, and we had just dis- we had discrepancy right in front of my house, and I had a nice yard just put in and everything. Man, it, I don't know, it didn't turn out probably that good for me. I don't think, but I got up the next morning to you know go get the paper. Well, and it probably wasn't morning either. It was probably right around one in the afternoon uh, when I came to. But I came, out, I staggered out to the yard. Well, there was a circle in the yard that was about 20 feet in diameter and it was all dirt. We had a wrestling match out there and my wife told me the story, you know, let she says, yeah, y'all was out there, you know, wrestling in the yard. And we tore up every blade of grass at a 20 foot circle and don't really remember a whole lot about it other than, you know, just getting an ass whipping or something. But Lord have mercy, we used to... Um, we used to go at it. And, and like I say, we did it, it on the side of the road, the side of the interstate. It didn't matter. We've torn down
1: rest areas, uh, John. Uh, we go in a rest area in the bathroom, you know, and to take a whiz and somebody, hey, you didn't finish that beer. There's still there's still a couple of swigs. Yes, I didn't start. We'd tear down stalls. I mean, we're, we were lucky we weren't arrested in the rest areas. There. It, it was a wild. I like, like Jimmy said, I still got my shirt. Terry Allen claims he's 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 got his shirt. He showed me a picture of it, so he does. But like Jimmy said, we had to have two shirts. on they get ripped off. They get some blood stain and beer stain. You couldn't wear them for a week. You know, our wives are try to wash them and everything. But Jim Jim Jimmy's house, it wasn't too far from mine. And Jimmy got Jimmy got the idea one time. Jimmy, tell that tell the sister. About you raising quails, and you know, John, I'm a Native American. You only you only raise animals to eat. You know, you don't raise them wild animals as domestic pets, right, Jimmy? Yeah, that that's 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 right. Uh, sometimes because of the payoffs in Florida, I felt like eating a couple of quails.
2: But <laughs> I mean, you know, I had them just in case. But uh, they were my, they were pets, and, and I had these quails. Man, I'd I'd feed these quails, and I had them in little pens, and I don't know how many quails I had, but I had a lot of, I must, I had a hundred quails or something, you know? Um, And we come back from a trip and uh, Jack, uh, Jack was, was, was doing the, being Jack, you know, and I was about three you know, sheets in the wind type of thing. And he got to me, him and Jerry too. Jerry was part of him. Jerry would throw in his two cents just to make, he was like the, extra coating just in case a little bit of extra icing if you needed it so to speak but they had me feeling so bad about having them quails that I was almost in tears because I had those quails in a cage and I and I and I I wanted to I didn't I didn't understand but I was just being bamboozled by these guys because they had me feeling so bad that we pulled up to the house and I was it was like I I, I don't know was, I don't I, I do I can't explain describe it uh as such an emotional moment i bust out (laughs) of the car and staggered and stumbled into the backyard and jack and jerry's right behind me telling me you know jim you need to you need to set yourself free and set them free and all this kind of stuff they were preaching to me like dadgum pat robertson or somebody else or somebody it was just it was awful and uh they had me feeling so bad i was back there i was throwing cages up in the air and talking to the birds and telling them to fly free, fly free. Got up the next morning and I asked my wife, where's the birds? What happened to the birds? Because I didn't remember, you know, letting them all free. But she said, oh, no, you, you, you let them all free last night. You know, out there, t- 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 things turned over everywhere. But, yeah, the birds, they were free. Yeah, Jack and Jerry had me
0: feeling so bad I had to set the birds free. Jerry, do you not feel bad about that at all? This man raised those quails.
1: Yeah, but he was raising them for uh, immoral purposes. There, you know, he was, he was selling them on the black market too. Uh, to all the restaurants around. We had, it, 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 the, the, those
2: Florida days. They were they, oh, the Grand Apollo. He was a, he could drink some beer too. He could put some beer down. But Terry Allen wasn't he the one that came along and he was the one that put us all to shame? Almost. Uh, am I wrong about that?
1: No, Terry Allen, man, that, that guy could put some uh, bear away. Like, and I like, it. I say, uh, John El Grande Apollo was a young man from Cuba. He couldn't hardly speak a word of English, but uh, you know, he, he was a, a really handsome young man. And uh, here in Florida, there's a big Latino population, big Cuban population, you know, so we built him into a star. And this guy, I mean, he, he 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 drew he drew the female audience uh into our buildings and uh and uh i mean he 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 was he was such a nice young man when we got him you know and uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that's and changed by the time he left florida you know he he we didn't know what happened
2: <laughs> i don't think he knew either
1: <laughs> He ended up buying a Cuban grocery store down on South Beach and I think had it for like 10, 15 years and South Beach exploded and he sold it and then uh, he bought he a could, big rig, Jimmy. He bought a big rig and become a trucker. <laughs> but he could drink some beer, couldn't he? Uh, he had that right. He was only 18, 19 years old, but he could he could drink that beer. But you're right, Terry Allen. I mean Terry Terry and Barry, those two guys, they they would they would go at it, and, and Barry Winem. I mean, you, you know him, John. I mean, you traveled the, the world with, with Barry. You know what kind of drinker he was. Well, you just you just tenfold what Barry could, could consume, and that's what Magnum TA could consume.
0: And I that's mean, the reason he's like he Barry. got the he Barry, got the show. Barry Barry could drink all night and drink as much as you wanted, and and he Barry looked like he was the same. I've never seen anything like it. Barry was one of the best beer drinkers I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, Magnum, Magnum, TA. He was, he was right up. He was, he could do it. In fact, you know what happened about? Um, shoot, it's it's had to be maybe, maybe ninth down to, down to, it had to be like 27 years ago. Uh, Terry Allen and I still still are very good friends, and and he lives in Charlotte too, and we we talk, you know, once a week or so. And uh, I said, Terry. We, t- we started talking about that leader of the pack shirt and he-, and he says, yeah, I got it. I got it at home. Now this is like, like I said, it's about 21. It was right after I retired, maybe after I retired in 92 or 93 or something like that. Um, before I did my real long stint up there in WWE, that was seven days I was up there. But that's another <laughs> story. Um, <laughs> I told, I told uh, Terry, I said, Terry, I want to challenge you for that shirt. Now, you know, we were a lot older then when I said those words, than we were with the young days when we really fought for that shirt and, and really when somebody challenged you, the, the shit was on, you know, so, but he says, oh, okay, okay. So we had a day, date time. Okay. I'll have everything ready come to my house and we're going to sit down. My, my wife said, Oh boy, here we go. You know, it's not her first rodeo either by watching us. So I I remember we sat down in my house and um, I got to about I think I got to like six or seven beers and I fell down the stairs because I could I didn't, I couldn't drink I can't I don't know about anybody else but I mean I can't no nowhere close come I mean if there's gonna be a tournament all we all I need is a six pack and I'm gonna be fine I don't need a case or anything like that and. Um, and I fell down the stairs, and that called the end of the tournament there. So Terry still has his shirt. I think he won with, I think, seven beers, and I fell down the stairs at six. So I said, Terry, it's hell <laughs> getting old, you know, because you remember, you remember, Jerry, one of my deals was is I would, I would take a six-pack and chug it one after the other, real, just one after the other, and then get a jump. That was my, that was my forte. You know, you I
1: forgot all about that. But that was that was that was uh, John. That that was Jimmy's uh, start. I mean, he would, he would he would grab a six pack before any of us would have a chance. He'd be through with a six pack by the time. And we're we're all pretty salty beer drinkers. I mean, that 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 ride was was loaded with with. Uh, it made Budweiser stock rise like crazy that
0: year. But, yes,
1: uh, we we're all pretty good. But Jimmy would get so far ahead of us. That, you know, there, it, we had, we had really struggled to catch up and it, it rules with, you know, if you, if you disputed somebody, cause you know, somebody would throw, uh, throw a bear can in a pile. Do you hear that clink? You could hear if there was like true swallows left in it, or we had it down to a size, right? We knew when somebody was cheating, that's when the challenge flag would come out. That's when we'd pull over on the side of the road, get out and settle our differences right there.
2: Yeah, Lord have mercy. Did you
0: stop when you're – because you guys were famous in Florida. I mean, everybody's watched Florida Championship Wrestling. Everybody was stopping and saying, hey, wait a minute, these are the guys we watch on television fighting on the side of the road. I don't think ahead.
2: anybody – I don't think anybody – when they seen that going on, they, I don't think anybody would stop. They, 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 you wouldn't, you wouldn't do, do you no good to stop. You might as well just keep on going
1: there, you... They had a Barney fight cop down in uh, Lake Wells. Uh, this is coming back from Palm Beach. You get on that old Highway 60, John, and there's nothing but horse farms and prairie fields out there and rattlesnakes and alligators. Mm-hmm. But there's a little town about halfway between uh, E-Hall Junction and Tampa called uh, Lake Wells. They had a little Barney fight sheriff there that loved rushing and, and he knew on Monday nights around Two o'clock in the morning, there'd be carloads of wrestlers passing through his little town, so he would make it a habit of 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 pulling guys over. Well, Jack had bought a brand new Lincoln Bill Blast, a really nice, really nice car, and so Patterson and Louis Donnerfellow was 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 in front of us, and so they were speeding, and so the cop pulls uh, Pat and Louis over. And they start BSing and then Pat said, Hey, uh, I know you like the guys. He said, do you like the old Briscoe brothers? They said, man, I love the Briscoe brothers. Well, they're right behind me. And so, uh, so of course the cop said, Oh, great. Well, you guys go on. And they, Pat described what kind of car. And, uh, now now here's us. We can, we probably got Jimmy with us or or, or somebody with, we have Don Morocco with us. So we have probably, I don't think Jimmy was with us that night, but, uh, Uh But Morocco was with us, like Brian Blair. We we had we had every type of illegal contra, contraband you could possibly have in that car, and so we're going along. And that's back when moon roofs were first coming out and on cars. You know, you hit that button, and all of a sudden you're you call them sun roofs up there where you're from, but down down here it's too hot in the daytime, so they're moon roofs. Sure. And and we used them to moon each other out of also. <laughs> So here comes the cop, we see that red light go, And so the windows go down, it looks like we're sending smoke signals at, at Custer's last stand, you know, smoke bellowing out of the windows and through the rooftop there. And that cop gets out of his car and before we can get out back in those days, you could get out of the car and meet the cop, you know, but uh, yeah. nowadays you can't, but so anyway, uh the cop's lights flashing, so uh, we we pull over and the windows go down. A cop just gets out of his car and he comes running up to the, to our window. Jack's driving, of course, and uh, oh Jack Briscoe, oh man, I've been wanting to meet you, blah, blah. Can I have your autograph? Yeah, was all right, you gotta drive safely. Didn't look in the car, didn't say a word about the smell or nothing, just let it go. So the cops, you know. Back in those days, we were we were, we were policemen friendly because we did so much community service, right, Jimmy? Eddie yeah, Graham right. always had us doing community service here for the police department. Now I understand why he had us doing all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because otherwise he'd lose all his talent and
2: his territory and everything. That reminds me of a story, too. Uh, uh, Michael and I was going from Atlanta to... Uh, to uh, Oh, maybe it was Augusta or something like that. Anyway, it was on the interstate, and uh, we was in Patty's uh, Mercedes, and we was hauling butt. And uh, we we what happened? We, we, we got we got pulled over. We got pulled over, and but we always we always uh, we had the we had the titles at the time. So and I always kept my wallet in the trunk if I was driving. So. I'd have to go in the trunk and it would also have a bunch of pictures and t-shirts and stuff like that uh free bird stuff so we get pulled over and i tell the policeman my stuff's in the trunk and and i open the trunk and he's a wrestling fan but he sees the shirt and he goes oh that's one of them shirts and i says yeah you want one you know and let I me mean, while well, i'm getting my driver's license i give him a t-shirt and, uh, he says, and then he says, well, is that, is that the belts right there? I, I said, yeah, that, that's the belts right there. Yeah. I said, I said, I said here, I, I said, I said, turn around and I'll put it on you, you know? And, and, and he turned around and I snapped that belt on him and he was parading around the car, strutting around with that on the side of the interstate 20 or whatever that is down there. And, uh, and then had a good time told me don't worry about driver's license he says just y'all be careful he says my buddy's up there at mile marker like 127 or something and he's in the woods on the left-hand side running radar he said just slow down before you get there we said okay so in the meantime these cars have been passing us because we've been pulled over obviously when we get back in the car this guy's got a t-shirt autograph wore the belt you know everything we can give him we gave him and um we get back in that Mercedes, and we hit about 120 miles an hour. We're blowing past cars, and they're probably wondering, what in the world these guys? we just seen them with the blue lights, and the policemen have them out by the side of the road. Now they're doing 120 miles an hour. We're flying. We get about three miles from that mile mark, and we go back it on down. The brother got out of his car over in the woods. He's out of his car, and he's like, he got his hand there beeping, and he's waving <laughs> That waving at us as we go by, and we wave back at him. We slide on by, and then once we got by and we bing on. We went, but I mean, get, I mean you get—I mean, you could get away with it back
0: then. I don't know if you do. I don't know if you could do it now. Hey, Jimmy, you mentioned uh, WWE and your, your week-long tenure in WWE. I don't yeah. know if Jerry was on the the plane, but I was on the plane when you were flying uh, with with Vince and Kevin Dunn and the whole you know the whole crew between whatever between c- cities, whatever where we were flying. I've never seen hard, hardly Vince McMahon so enraptured by a story. You're sitting there telling story after story about the days of Crockett and flying private. Vince is just sitting there just laughing, drinking his wine, just listening. You're in your zone, man. And I, I was sitting there. I walk out the place. I said, that man has a job here for life. <laughs> and the next yeah. thing I know, you're gone and you
2: know I, and 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 i and i probably could have had one you know but i'm not i'm not saying nothing that ain't true but you know i don't think but i just wasn't it wasn't i, I it would i just couldn't do what i had to do in order to get to you know to fill all the pegs to to play cards you know i mean i just i i tell you what i tell you what what, what really got to me the worst thing was you know I was with the uh, uh, net Jets anyway I'm, I'll mention their name one time with them at the time and I and I actually went to them and asked them if I could have a leave of absence uh to go pursue that and the, and they said yeah that's fine you know because gr- greatest company in the world by the way and um <laughs> and they they let me go up there and 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 I went up there and I, and I and and I was used to working for them and you know that's they, they take good care of their their Pilots, you know and, um i was in that writing room you know where all the, both the guys were and i can't remember who what, what what bunch of guys were around but it came lunchtime and we all had we all got up like and we like like ducks and, and walked up to the cafeteria in a, in a in a line and got our food and then came back down and i did that a couple of times and i thought just just the fact that i have to do these Duck walk to go eat and come <laughs> back, and, you know. And then I, I, I hey, thought that ain't gonna work too good with me, you know. And and I and I just I just I was comparing the lifestyle I had with that with the, the greatest aviation company in the world to that lifestyle, and I think I was done with that part. And I just couldn't get back. It's not that I didn't had nothing against the business or I didn't love the business, but the fact that I just couldn't put myself out there, you know, in, 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 that, in that atmosphere, I just couldn't as much as I love the business. And I do obviously, you
0: know, but it was just, just funny to us because uh, Jerry knows when, uh, when Vince gets one of the older guys around and they're telling stories, that's when Vince just lights up. He just loves the business. And that, mm-hmm. that night he was just sitting there just enjoying you and Michael telling stories. And it was so funny because I said, man, it's that, great to have Jimmy around. And they go, no, he's gone. That's <laughs> what do you mean he's gone? He said, he quit. He couldn't handle it. He wants to go back to flying planes, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. We understand. Yeah, gonna... yeah, well,
2: you know, and still there, you know, even with my yearly schedule that, you know, I pick whatever line I want, my seniority there, 20 years is pretty good. Uh, I, only, I only work for, actually work, fly four months out of the year. So the rest of the time is I'm off. Uh, and that's hard to that's hard to for somebody to match, you know. And, and regardless, you know, D- WWE's great company, but you know, uh, ain't nobody like Mister Mister B, you know. I mean, I, mean well, she, hey, I
0: don't want to skip around, but I did hear a rumor about you one time with the Freebirds ordering room service and the room service showing up, and all you guys are buck naked in bed together. Yeah,
2: Michael and I were in bed together. It was like it was like it was either Lafayette or Lake Charles or one of them Cajun countries, anyway. And uh, and we had went out uh, the night before. We went out every night, but this night before we went out to uh, to this bar. It was it was the University uh, the University of Louisiana, whatever it is, there was their bar. It was like their the, the tiger prowl or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like tiger, the t- tiger's, tiger room or tiger zone or tiger land, t- tiger Tigerland. tiger land. That's yep. it. So we do, we're in, t- me and Mike Hayes and I are in tiger land out there in the, in the middle of the night and I'm um, drinking and carrying on. And then he gets the bright idea that he tell you the story about him getting up on the bar.
0: I've heard about him moonwalking, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're drinking, we're drinking and and he's, he jumps up on the bar. and Jerry, I don't know if you heard this one or the people that are listening. I'm sure they haven't heard, but, uh, well, maybe they did. But uh, <clears throat> Michael Hayes starts moonwalking on the bar. Well, he's knocking drinks over and stuff, but it don't matter. We just put more drinks back up there, But and they knew that. But the thing was, over the bar, they had these Louisiana fans that they just didn't spin like this, you know, like at the Olive Garden. These things were turning some RPMs. I mean, they were blowing some air. These fans were rotating at an enormous rate of speed. And Michael Hayes moonwalked right into one of them. It hit him in the back of the head. The, 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 the blades exploded everywhere. Hayes, he was so good because he didn't sell it too much. He, I think he was out on his feet, but he, he staggered. He didn't fall off the bar, but that fan blade hit him. And I told the guy next to me right before it happened. I go, watch, watch what, get, watch what was getting ready to happen to him. You know, about that time, so, boom. So you didn't
0: warn this. him.
2: But no, you I didn't. Warn- dig- I, knew you he gonna, dig- I knew this. I knew. I, knew I said, watch this, because this guys, is going. <laughs> he's he's going to moonwalk right into this fan, and boy, he did, brother. And then he dropped down to one knee and did like an Elvis thing, you know. But <laughs> it, and then he kind of crawled off of the bar and you know stayed over in the corner for a little while until he came to. But I didn't never seen anybody get hit in the head with a fan <laughs> that was going around that fast. Uh, it was just amazing. That 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 so like, it was so t- amazing that you didn't want to warn him. Oh no, you couldn't. T- that would be no fun at all. See, that that, that <laughs> would have just ruined everything. You know, because you know this was that was this was really getting ready to be a show, and it was too when that fan hit him in the back of the head. You'll never see that again. Not I don't know where you'd see something like that
0: so how did the freebirds end up in bed naked together ordering room service
2: oh yeah that's right so in the meantime so then when that closed down we end up going to this after hours place out in the out in the swamp somewhere and lord only knows but so we we end up in the, we're in the we're in the we're in the uh we end up waking up the next morning we're in the same bed king-sized bed uh butt naked laying there with a massive hangover and we're really, really hungry. So we want, so we order room service. So we don't, we order everything on the menu, then whatever we wanted, plus everything else. So then the guy comes to the door. I said, so I got, I got, cause we're all, we're both laying there, you know, like trying to come, come to, you know, after like a, like a fight at the okay corral kind of thing. And uh, I said, I'll get it. So I just go over and unlatch the door and just turn around and go back and you know, about halfway back, he comes in with the table, you know, on the wheels with all the fuddy-duddy stuff all over it because this is a nice hotel and a nice big room. Hell, I, I think it had two bedrooms or something, but we're all we're in the same bed because that's where we passed out. That's where, it, that's where it was. And so I get up in bed, so we're both propped up in bed like this. And the guy's looking at us, and he he don't know where to look at us, look at the floor, uh, pick his nose or do something. And I said, "No, go ahead." You know, and he, he says, "You want to serve, you want me to serve you?" You know, yeah. What so say serves us? And we're we in there, butt naked, eating scrambled eggs and grits and sausage and boudin or whatever the heck we get our hands on. You know, but yeah, we we were we were flat flat naked.
0: We were in Nashville one time, and and Buddy uh, was backstage, and uh, Buddy was we we served him up all kinds of booze. He was riding back to Atlanta with Michael. So we get uh, buddy, we get buddy hammered. I mean, hammered. And Michael was so mad at us the next day. He goes, "Thanks for getting buddy drunk before the trip." He goes, "You're as bad as Jimmy Garvin." He said, "Jimmy Garvin was the one guy who could st- make buddy mad." Oh
2: yeah, I could fire, but I could fire buddy up pretty fast. There was another time I, I, I have to it just come to my mind. If I don't mention, it, I'll forget it. We were Michael and I was in the, uh, we were in uh, uh, Honolulu, went and. Uh, His wife and my wife and we went to the North Shore for the day and uh, got it, rented us some snorkel equipment and stuff like that. And, And the girls were on the beach and it was nice, not too wavy or anything. And there was a pretty big reef out there a ways. So I told Hayes, I says, come on, let's put snorkels on and we'll go snorkel out there and look around. Well, he he never really was into snorkeling much anyway. Uh, I could just tell that he, you know, he wasn't exactly the snorkeling kind of guy. But he's out there snorkeling around and was looking at stuff, and 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 I noticed that all of a sudden, we're and we're we're you know we're quite a ways out, at least a football field from the shore. But there's there's this real nice reef. It was deep, and then it, you know how reef, it was, the reef was only about maybe a two feet deep or something, enough where you could just float. And uh, look around; everything is pretty close to you. And uh, I noticed that the that my, I, I floated up one like this, you know, one time. Then I, uh, before I was real, I was real calm. And then, but then the next time I kind of floated up a little bit higher. And I thought, oh, shit, what? Something's going. Something's happening, you know. So I look up, and you know, they, you heard it. You know, waves they come in threes. You heard that before, like big waves. They come in threes, threes and fours in situations like that. Well, I look up and there's a freaking huge wave coming. You can see it way out there just coming. So I'm telling, I'm trying to get Hayes. I'm trying to say, Hayes, you know, there's there's a big wave coming. And he's not paying attention or nothing. Well, I had just went across this uh, uh, cavity in this reef. It looked like a 50-gallon drum. Just like hollowed out inside this reef, and it's about four or five feet deep. And I re- and I remembered where it was at, so I finally get a hold of him, and I tell him, I go, you know, pointing at this wave, and and he's t- he don't he don't know where to should or go blind. So he's like looking at the wave, looking at me, and I'm saying, come on, come on, because there's a hole here we can get in. But you got to come now. Well, he he didn't make it. So I dove down in this hole and held onto the sides, and this huge wave billowed across the um, top of my head. You know, you can imagine all, how that would look. And I, after it passed, I, I, I come up out of that hole in the reef. All I seen was haze, his ass and elbows going in the air, his blonde hairs everywhere, and, and 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 then and then the wave goes on. And he, and, he, and he staggers around and he's, he's bleeding because it drugged him across the reef. So he's got blood coming out of him and his, his snorkel, his mask is around his neck and he's snot's coming out of his nose. And he I mean, he's a wreck. Right. And I, I, I look this way. And there's another one coming. And I said, come, come on, come on, get in. Come on, get in over here in this hole, you know. And um, and he was trying to get he was trying to get that way. And I looked that way and I looked that way and I I figured, well, he ain't gonna make it. So I'm going back in the hole. Well, I, I went back in the hole. <laughs> that wave hit him again. And to this day, if you have him on or talk to him, which you know, that might happen in the future or something, ask him the time I tried to save him in Han- Hanama Bay. Uh, and he'll and and just and then just stand back and listen because uh, he'll have a lot to say about me supposed to be trying to save him in Hanama Bay. When we got to shore, both of us was pretty well cut up, but he was a mess. I've never seen anything like it in my life. But to this day, he swears he'll, he'll cuss me up and down for for trying to kill him or not saving him and all this kind of stuff.
0: Michael Michael always says that expression, I don't know whether to shit or go blood. So we're <laughs> a, we're in creative meeting one time. Uh, you know, what? Michael is one of the most creative guys I've ever been around. I, I love Michael. He is. He's a freaking genius when it comes to laying yeah. stuff out. He's just, he's amazing. You got to be around him to understand it. So he's yeah. in there one day with a bunch of the, the young writers and he goes, I don't know whether to shit or go bun. And one of the writers, <laughs> says, why would you do either? And, Michael <laughs> and he goes, You're stupid. <laughs> that, that makes yeah. free bird sense. Uh, oh my free God. Bird logic. Hey and wait a minute. You blame me for being stiff. At least I was green and had an excuse. Michael Hayes, <laughs> when he was at his best, was stiff. He would yeah, hit can... that stupid left hand anywhere from the knee to the top of the head. The only thing you knew for certain was he's going to potato you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's that's true.
2: But um uh... Yeah, that's, that was my Michael Hayes story. Uh, with rem, rem, Remember to ask him now. You might have to write it down later or something, but ask him the time I tried to save him when we were snorkeling. i He almost him.
0: came on the show today. He said he's going to come on in the future, so hopefully we get him. But uh, I want to ask, before we, we quit, I want to ask you about the flying. Uh, first, got to ask you about <laughs> teaching Bam Bam Gordy the fly.
2: Yeah, that How'd was – uh, tell you what, that uh, – I, you know because 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 i started flying so young, know, at 17 i started flying and then i got my license and, and instructor rating and all that kind of stuff so uh, i had an, I, I could teach and uh, and i and, and i don't want to take full credit for teaching them but i helped them a lot I helped them along a lot um at the time i had a, a, a 401 but well, later on i had a 401 at that time i didn't so, so, so I, he's flying, he's learning how to fly, but I didn't want to be, I couldn't be at the time really teaching him anyway. So I, I hooked him up with a, a teacher, uh, Steve Horvath and Steve got him going. And and then on the side, on the road, I was helping with the book work part or explain to him the concept of different things, systems and aeronautical knowledge and stuff like that, charts and whatever. I'd spend a lot of time with him in the hotels, so do it helping him in that way but um i come to find out that uh he was taxiing one time I wasn't I wasn't there or with him but uh I guess he got distracted which he could he could get distracted and he hit a fuel truck he sure did he hit a fuel truck and thank goodness they didn't blow up you know I mean he just he wasn't was going, a hey.
1: going Jimmy was the plane going oh yeah.
2: Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was a single, he was in a single engine, it was 182, and, uh, and taxi and just didn't, I don't know, I wasn't there. So all I know is I, he hit the truck and uh, bent the wing and didn't didn't uh, penetrate the tanker tanker that was holding all that fuel, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, he, he did hit the fuel truck. But he 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 kind of quit flying after he kind of quit flying after that. And then then, then then there was there was another flying story that uh, I, I had rented a twin engine, uh, and I can't I don't know if it was like a Duchess or whatever. It was it would hold like six or six six seven people, and so it was a buddy buddy uh, Roberts, uh, Sunshine, the Boris Zukov, uh, a couple other guys. And we're taking off out of somewhere, and uh, a, uh, Buddy says, uh, "Jim, what's that coming out of the left wing uh, tip, the to top of the wing?" And I looked over there, and shit, there's oil just streaming out of this uh, out of this uh, left engine. I mean, because of the pressure differential and everything, it's just sucking it out of the, it's just sucking the oil right out of the engine. And then zoomhoff says. What, what, what's this car over here out of, the, out of the right, right engine? And I look over there and that oil is getting sucked out of the right engine. Now, I don't know if the line guy hated the wrestling or hated us or whatever. Uh, but then again, I should have checked the caps too. So I'll put the blame on myself. But we were losing a, a, enormous amounts of oil out of uh, both engines. And I told everybody, I said, just because everybody's kind of freaking out, if you can imagine, because we're it ain't going to be long because they'll quit. Uh, so I said, okay, we'll go back and all that. Boris Zukov, he was that big boy. He, I don't know if you guys knew him, but big head. And that his head was glowing like a – I don't even know how well, – it was big and red, though, but his blood – Like a watermelon. Pressure, <laughs> yeah, it was – he almost had like a red light on his head. It was glowing so bad – uh buddy buddy roberts he he couldn't open up many bottles fast enough and drink them (laughs) i think he drank at least 15 before we returned to the field and landed we landed okay and and nothing nothing uh nothing really happened but it was just there's the few seconds of uh of uh not very pleasant uh, experience you know with oil being sucked out of both engines at the same time but it, it was all good.
0: Before I let you go, I do want to ask you a story that uh, I heard from uh, the Freebird, Michael Hayes. He said, "Ask about the time you were tagging with Jake Roberts against AFA and Sika when Jake accidentally knocked AFA's eye out of socket."
2: I tell you what, that is an amazing. That that was a Jack Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Calkin was the promoter. I can't remember his first name. It Don't even matter but it was Jake and I against Alfonsiquez as you said and um, they didn't like Jake anyway cuz Grizzly Smith and Jake and and they just didn't like Jake and his the way he at the at the time and stuff that, that there was some problems but and it, and it was serious enough that they didn't mind telling anybody that wanted to know and some that didn't that they didn't like Jake so I used to go camping with them all the time because and, and because I had that uh, uh, 32-foot prowler and a pickup truck. I'd go from state park to state park in Louisiana when they were, had us driving all over hell and half uh, Georgia. But uh, we used to camp together. So I was real close with Alpha and Sika. And so I'm in the ring with them. Boom, boom, boom. We're doing our thing. They, did, they do anything for me in the world, you know, and I tag Jake in. And Jake comes in. Ah, they don't. They're not that friendly with him in the ring. they He's having to work a little bit for what they're what they're giving him. He's having to work a little bit for it. As compared to me, it was just sort of like being served to me, so to speak. And in the meantime, uh, while this was going on, Jake, for whatever reason, accidentally I'm sure it was accidentally potatoed Sika or Alpha in the in the side of the eye here and popped his eyeball out onto his cheek. Well, he hit him. He hit him. And, and Alpha shook his head like this and the eyeball kind of swung a little bit and, and Jake kind of screamed almost, you know, when he seen it. And then, uh, Alpha, you know, he just let out this Samoan kind of like scream and, and I take my glass off (coughs) and he's, and Jake is in, just don't even know what to do. And, and so Alpha takes his hand and he goes like that, his hand. And he puts his eyeball back in his head, but it's looking it's looking over here, but it's at least it's in his head. Well, Jake turns around to tag me. Well, I took a walk. I mean that, yeah. there, there was no doubt about that. I wouldn't tag I took a, I I wouldn't argue with the fans over here and g-section or something you know there was there wasn't none of this none of, I wasn't <laughs> tagging me so they snatched him and lord by the time I turned around from escaping the tag I turned around they was giving him ass whipping like I ain't never seen uh two Samoans they did the Samoan just came the Samoan came out of him anyway but I mean they whipped his ass and they whipped it so bad that he, they would let him almost, I would gonna take the tag because I felt sorry for him. So after the initial initial blow up, I thought they're going to kill him. You know, I need to take the tag. They're going to kill him. They would almost let him get to the tag and then they would just snatch him, you know, and then pull him back. You know, and then whip his ass again. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> I'm I just tag him. I'll come in and leave you. And then they'd let him go a little bit. He'd be time to get the tag and Nah. Pulling back, you know, it was an awful ass whipping. It was an awful ass whipping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned sunshine. Before we go, you had two sunshines and two preciouses, right? Yeah, yeah. d I, I let's see. I had Did to, you run out of names? Uh
2: no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that I don't know what happened there. Uh, I don't I think I, I think that I have, I think only had one Sunshine,
0: didn't it? Didn't I thought no you one? had Sunshine One and then Sunshine Two and then Sunshine Two took over one when you had the deal with uh David Von Erich, which is one of the most famous things from the old uh Dallas Portatorium where you ended yet. up, up having to work on his ranch for a day. That yeah, was yeah. the best clips of yeah. all time. Yeah, that's that's I'm, I'm
2: proud that that I'm proud to have that in the can. You know, that was pretty historical stuff, and with with Dave, having David to work with and stuff like that uh, was great. Uh, have got switching gears again because that's what we've kind of been doing. But I got to tell you, uh, in my career, and, and 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 again, I was so blessed, and I'm I'm so blessed and grateful to had have, have had such a great career and to have met some really wonderful people. And uh, Jack Briscoe is at the top of the list uh, in my heart and in my memories, and uh, and Jerry and the times that we had, and uh, uh, just you know I I can I can still see Jack smile at a you know all it takes me is a second just think of Jack I can hear his laugh I can hear him call me Jimmy and tell me something you know some some crazy Do you remember that time Jerry you guys had me at the sportatorium? and you were going to and you got me down there cuz uh you guys must have been bored and you wanted something to do so you got called me down there they John, that was horrible they it was they were ribbing all the time you just never knew so i was i was in an angle with somebody and they were going to teach me the the uh the um you know the um, if a guy has a finish but there's a the how you get out of it was the, it roop bob roop it might have been, but it was like you guys were going to teach me how to uh, to get out of this finish that he had or somebody had. So I said, okay, they're going to. You know, I came down there and we all got in the ring, me and Jack and Jerry, and, and we're we're, we're doing messing around a little bit. They're showing me some stuff because I was I was a young kid too. I mean, I don't. I, I it was it was or it was still maybe mid to late seventies or something. But um, anyway. They had me go up on the top rope and do like this dive, and then, but they said that was part of the how you start out to fix this to to escape this finish. Just when he goes to throw you in the ropes or something, you you climb up the ropes, you go through and climb up the ropes and come off and give him some kind of big splash thing like this.
1: I think it was Joe Laduke you were wrestling against, and it was the big bear. The bear hug, hug thing, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And now we're going to show me how to get out of it. So I go up there and I dive off like this here and Jack's down there and he moves. And it, I, it was the simplest thing of moving. Like I smashed into the mat, like, you know, a baked potato. And the, I remember Jack and Jerry laugh, 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 laugh about that. It was, it was, it was, it was just one of those things in my, in, in my mind, in my memory, but I had wonderful, uh, wonderful memories with with you guys down in Florida. We, that was a special time in, in wrestling really, you know, when well, you Jimmy, think yeah, about
1: things it. were just so, so wonderful. And the crew that we had was just uh, you know, we were all friends at Steve Kern, you know, Dick Slater, you know, uh, Dickie had just got in, uh, we, we you know, Junior. I mean, it was Horton. just loaded with the guys, you, you, Barry, Barry was just coming in starting, uh, Magnum was just starting. So, uh, you know, we had a young group of guys that would, we all got together where, you know, we, and we all kind of lived close together too. And back in those days, John, we'd actually have a Sunday off for a while. And then we, you know, we'd all come over to my house or Jack's house to the lake. And I remember one time, Jimmy used to be a heavy smoker and, you know, Eddie Graham liked for his baby faces to dress up really nice. Remember Jimmy? Yeah. So Jimmy come out, we're on my dock. I just happened to have that day off, so Jimmy, we're we were, Jimmy making a road trip, and he is either going to pick up Jack or meet somebody up the road here a little bit. So he come by to stop at my house and get some Odessa orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we walked out on
0: the, the dock legendary Odessa orange. <laughs> well, let me tell you, yeah,
1: it was famous, wasn't it, Jimmy? <laughs> yes, it was. So anyway, we were walking out on the dock to kind of look at the fish and kind of get refreshed. And Jimmy had, was all dressed up to make a road trip. Jimmy is smoking a pack of uh, Marble cigarettes. And, uh, you know, I'm real real anal about my yard. So anyway, Jimmy takes the end of that cigarette, but not thinking, he flips it in the damn lake. I look at him, I said, Jimmy, you got two choices. Either get that cigarette butt out of my lake or I'm gonna throw your ass in at it. And he said, well, I'm all dressed up. I said, hey man, this is country, nobody cares. Go down to your skivvies. No, and so I started to take him. And wait, all will do And he, he finally stripped down to his skivvies and jumped in the lake. And, and, he and Jimmy had a head of hair, you know, like a, a big old afro out here at that time, you know, about three foot wide he come up, that hair was all draped all over him and everything. I threw him a towel, got him out of the water, but he got the cigarette butt out of my lake, and he never threw another cigarette butt at my lake again.
2: That's right. That's right. You didn't have to tell me twice. That's the same lake that, uh, uh, that I took the, the the skidoo out at the middle of the night. Remember, we rode that skidoo in the middle of the night, shit face? Yeah, on the
1: jet ski. And Joe LeDoux from me with alligators out there. With alligators. I was in the a- middle of the night, jet ski, John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had and the can- first jet ski on my lake, and people hated me that first year I had that jet ski. Cause you know, we're rousters, you know, we, our, 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 fun starts at midnight or one o'clock in the morning when everybody's in bed and sleep. So we come off a road trip. We wanted to unwind a little bit. We go head out to the lake, crank that damn jet ski up, rah, rah, you know, all the day walls and all the lights coming all over the damn lake. and uh, Be three, big three. Who's going to say anything? to big 300 pound Joe LaDuke. And he's out there running around. He said, guys, I think I had, I had a a log out there. That wasn't no log. Uh, uh, Joe, that was a damn gator, boy. He threw a jet ski inside, ran right up on the shore, never got back in again. Didn't
2: Jack, didn't Jack, wasn't he going to go, was it Jack that was going to go dive off his dock and at the last minute he saw that gator down there?
1: Yeah, yeah, over there with that one. And, yeah, uh, and Blair, when we threw the we used to get you guys out on those canoes and throw oranges at you, and you try to try to swat them with the paddle and turn the canoes over all the
2: time. <laughs> yeah, 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 Lord, we had
1: some good times. We had a lot of lot of good fun. Hey, Jimmy, this has been great. You know, on behalf of John, you know, Michael Hayes, he he wants equal time. He said he'd like to come on with you. So somewhere down the line, when we can line up that busy executive to come on the show and maybe uh, we can figure out how to get four of us on this screen. We'd like you to come back and then to really dive into the free bird era of Jimmy because You've had such a wonderful career as Jimmy Garvin, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, free bird, Jimmy Garvin. I mean, just all down the line. That's the reason you're in the hall of fame because of your career. We would love to spend another hour or so with you and Michael on, on this show. I appreciate it. And I thank you
2: so much, both of you guys, John, Jerry. I mean, my blessings to both of you and your families and, 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 and I'm so grateful and I'd be more than happy to uh, do that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely know it would be a lot of fun. We got to get Hayes on here. Cause uh, yeah, I can push his buttons too sometimes <laughs> like I do with buddy, like I used to do with buddy, but it would be a lot of fun. He tell, he's got some good stories too. He's, it, 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 and it was just a real pleasure uh, talking to you guys. So I look forward to it. My schedule is open right now, so I am pretty much can do whatever I need to do. So just let me know, and I'll be more than happy to, uh, to come back on if we, if we can make it happen.
0: Well, it's great. been a terrific honor, Jimmy. It really has been. It's been a, a huge thrill. I, man, I tell you, I, I mean that very sincerely when I was standing in the ring there at the sport tournament and saw the free birds come down. It's just uh, one of the thrills of my life. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of uh, great talent, but you guys are certainly at the top of the list. And, and well, thank certainly. you. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jerry.
2: And God bless you guys, huh?